This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked Tori Hargrove what he has learned about design since working at Facebook. Uh, definitely how to design at scale. Uh, when you have a problem that affects just 5% of your audience, that's a lot of people. And when you think about scale in terms of billions of people, it really changes the way that you think about your work. Learn more at facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Little Bird Innovation is looking for a design associate for their Memphis office. We also have job listings from Indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for our weekly job alerts so when there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. More than 12 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. The holidays are in full swing and no other email service provider is better when it comes to functionality and customer service. Sign up for a free account today at MailChimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it and that's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it easy for you to find that domain name that you're looking for and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use the promo code REVISIONPATH and you'll save 10% off your purchase. Speaking of saving money, we've got another sale in our store that ends on December the 5th. So you can save 10% off your order when you use the offer code CHRISTMAS16. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, I don't know if we're going to have another sale for the rest of the year just yet, but if another one pops up, I'll definitely let you know. We've got our new designs that we just launched right in time for our holiday gift guide, which came out on December 1st. So if you haven't seen our gift guide, definitely go and check that out. Just go to revisionpath.com forward slash blog. Should be the first entry there, the Revision Path 2016 Holiday Gift Guide. Also this week, we're going to have our final AMA chat for the year. It's going to be on December 7th at 8 p.m. in our Slack community in the Ask Me Anything channel. We'll be talking with Tori Hargrove, who longtime fans might remember from way back in episode 29. Tori is currently the product design manager at Facebook, so if you have questions about how he got to Facebook, what it was like building Facebook Live, or anything like that, you'll definitely want to come ask him some questions. Again, that's going to be on December 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern in our Slack community in the Ask Me Anything channel. There'll be a link in the show notes where you can join. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. 
So we're down to 38 patrons for a new total of $261 per month. Again, I want to thank all of you that have pledged your support and your appreciation for the show. Really does mean a lot, especially here during the holidays. If you enjoy what we're doing here at Revision Path, if you like the guests that we have on the show, or if you've gotten any value from listening, please, please consider becoming a patron. You'll get some great perks like early access to future episodes, free Revision Path goodies, and a whole lot more. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge levels start at just $1 a month, and it's a really great and affordable way to support the show on a regular basis. Now let's go to this week's interview. I'm talking to Tanya Marie, a designer and creative director in Trinidad. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Tanya Marie. I'm a graphic designer, creative director, and curator of a website called designerisland.com. Let's start there about Designer Island. How did you kind of first decide to start that? Where did that inspiration come from? Well, the inspiration really came out of frustration. I was working in advertising at the time, well, advertising and branding at an agency in Trinidad. But they were going through a lot of changes, and I guess I was also going through a lot of changes. But I was just, I was just very tired of the work that I was doing. And also, I think since I started being a graphic designer, being a designer, that I've always questioned what does it mean to be a designer from the Caribbean or a designer from Trinidad? What does it mean? What does it look like? And so I just started asking that question itself to other designers. And that question was very much formed in what is the Caribbean aesthetic? You know, what does that mean? What does it look like? Does it exist? Does it mean anything to you? So I really just started asking colleagues that question. And what I found was that the answers were really different and really, really interesting, which was a surprise to me. And I started documenting them in a blog. And that sort of grew into a continuous journey into designerisland.com, where I now work with several other creators and writers, etc., to sort of continue that discussion in a less direct way, but mm-hmm. it really is underlying what is the Caribbean aesthetic. How would you describe the Caribbean aesthetic? I think that based on, if I was asked this several years ago when I first started the blog, I would have probably said something like texture, color, richness, things like that. But having worked longer having asked the questions having really dug into trying to understand what that is I don't think there is a clear definition of that I'm not even sure if well yeah it really is no clear definition of that because it really depends on on who you are and what island you're from where you're working what you're around and there's so many different inspirations and backgrounds that can influence that decision even ethnicities and and culture because just to take, for example, Trinidad, which is filled of African, Indian descendants, Chinese descendants, etc. There's so many things that influences what that aesthetic is, whether it's, it's colorful and tie-dye or clean structured lines and something resembling a kind of modern Caribbean um, look. It sounds like it's a big melting pot. It is very much a melting pot of ideas and aesthetics and styles, etc. 
when I think about how, I don't know, I guess designers here in the U.S. might approach a Caribbean aesthetic, I immediately think of like palm trees, bright colors, you know, bright tropical birds and things like that. And I think, and you can probably correct me on that, like that's maybe more of a stereotypical kind of way to view the Caribbean. It is, but it's also not incorrect. I mean, that's part of it, but that's the thing. It's it's one part of it. For me, I it's a part of it that I personally love, but what I like about it, the palm trees, the birds, etc., is that even that influence can be displayed and presented in so many different ways. So while you will say palm trees and, and birds and flowers, and, and I will agree, even that can be represented in so many different ways and so many different textures and colors, etc. So it's just one part of it. So with Designer Island, and, and you've been doing it now for, for a few years, what would you say it's really taught you about the creative community in the Caribbean? It's a lot more diverse than I thought it was initially, in the sense that I think that even pre-internet or the beginning of internet, there are a lot of blogs that really started to bring my attention to the creativity in the Caribbean. You know, art magazine being one of them. While they were more focused on Caribbean contemporary art, when that magazine existed as a print magazine, it really introduced me to a lot of other creatives in the Caribbean. And it just opened my eyes to a lot of contemporary art in the Caribbean, which is not something you think of when you think of Caribbean art. At first, often there's a stereotype of landscape portraits and sand, sea, and palm trees. But just like the aesthetic is really difficult to pin down and describe, mm-hmm. Caribbean creatives are so vast and their work and their process and their mediums and their ideas are so vast. And again, it's it's not just influenced by the Caribbean. We're influenced by America, by Europe, due to internet travel, etc. And so it's just such an interesting melting pot. And there's not every time you think that you've discovered its length and breadth, you discover more. Yeah, when I think about, you know, here in the States, I know for a while there's been this uh this notion of what a black design aesthetic is. And I mean, I've been asked that that question before in interviews and it's hard to pin down because, you know, just that word black and what it means in terms of encompassing the diaspora, there's so much diversity within that. I mean, there's American black, there's, if you're African, there's, if you're, you know, Caribbean, South American, if you're in Europe, like there's all these different And that's just talking about, you know, nationality and geography. But even when you drill down further into different cultural subgroups, like the idea of a black design aesthetic is something that's really hard to pin down. And it sounds like it's similar with the Caribbean because there's so many different cultures and influences. It's not as easy as people might think it could be. Exactly. And it really, at its core, comes down to trying to illustrate an identity, which is going to be different for everybody, even if you're living in the same space and place. Um, what I've really started to understand is that my journey of trying to understand what the Caribbean aesthetic was, was really a journey of trying to figure out what my identity was. Mm. And in that journey, understanding other people, other creatives and their thoughts and their ideas and their identity 
so it's just not something that you can really pin down. It is just like you said with a black aesthetic. You, that's not possible to completely pin down because everybody's experience is going to have that reflected in a completely different way. While there will often be a lot of similarities, which are expected, everybody's journey is so unique. How would you describe your design journey? To be honest, when I, I sort of stumbled into design, I didn't actually think about it as, I didn't think about it at all. I didn't realize there was a career called graphic design until very late because I was finished with A-levels in secondary school here. And I was, my intention was to go study visual arts in university of Trinidad and Tobago and the West Indies, sorry. And between my summer break, my aunts had this friend who was working in McCann Erickson, Trinidad, and she got me an internship there. Well, I had no idea what that was. And I was just at first just fascinated by this whole career of advertising and design although I'll admit my first idea of it even in going in was that I get to draw and paint on a computer so this is fantastic and get a regular salary but then when I actually went to school started studying graphic design started studying design and looking at styles and just the length and breadth of it it's I think for me the whole journey with design has been constant discovery and constant falling in love with it and learning more about it and even now I'm just learning so much all the time and I think that even at my age now I'm actually learning more and faster okay I think that for me design is my second love it's not my first love but I should probably call my husband my first love (laughs) (laughs) and I'm loving that journey and the relationship of understanding it and discovering and seeing what's possible with it for me. And I think I'm probably going to be doing this until I die. (laughs) What are you excited about now? I know you say you're kind of always learning. Is there anything that's piqued your interest currently? Right now I've been um, redoing the website for Design Island, which will be back up and running by the end of the week, which is great. But um, it's been fun is that I keep rereading things that I did early and thinking, oh my God, that's awful. I need to rework that. (laughs) <laughs> Which is nice because it means that I've learned and I'm growing. So that's really exciting. And and since I've been, I went back to UE, this is University of West Indies, to do a, a master's program. And since doing that, it's really making me think about Designer Island and myself as a designer so much more. I've really started to think a lot about design thinking and design entrepreneurship. So that's really what has me the most excited right now. There's this whole new space and way of thinking about being a designer and thinking about business that I've never thought about years ago. And now that that's now that I'm learning more and more about it, I'm constantly reading about it and thinking, okay, my career just took a whole new turn of what's possible which is interesting because right now Trinidad is really starting to feel the burden of economic downturn. And it has a lot of creatives particularly very worried. The advertising industry and branding industry is not as vibrant as it, it used to be, which has a lot of people terrified. And I can say that while I am also admittedly scared at times, I've never been this excited about 
being a designer and being a designer in the Caribbean. That's great. I mean, I know usually during those times, that's when creativity and new ideas really tend to to spring up out of adversity, which is, you know, kind of a weird thing to to think about in that way. But no, that's good that design entrepreneurship is something that's got you really excited. How long have you been out on your own now? I've been on my own for, I think, just over two years. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think I, they always say that your first year in business by yourself is a difficult one. And I, I found it the opposite. I found my first year to be exciting and peace and nonstop work. And now with the thing, what's going on economically, it's, it's quieter, which comes back to the scary part. But at the same time, I've also been totally consumed with the degree and discovering all these new things and having all these new ideas. So while the whole journey of being an independent designer and being in business for myself is still very new, it's also still very exciting. Yeah, my studio just turned eight, like a few, wow. about a few, oh, was it last week? It was last week, just turned eight last week. And so, yeah, the first year was rough, <laughs> really rough. Second year got a little better, and then, you know, it sort of increases. But I, I will say, you know, during those times when it is good, always plan for the down times. Because the thing is, you never really know when they're going to come. No. Entrepreneurship is such a roller coaster. Of course, you want to keep things going up, up, up. But, you know, like you say, this stuff might happen with the economy. There are a number of different factors that could, you know, attribute to things going downhill in any sort of way. But just the best thing that you can do is save and plan for when those times happen. I think what can trip up a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly design entrepreneurs, is that once it gets into that sort of down, that down spiral, they're ready to quit. They're ready yeah. to say, okay, you know what? Let's look at, at something else. Let's look at, at what else might be going on. But those are the times when you need to be working on refocusing your craft or maybe reworking the text on your website or something like that. Like those are the times since you don't have client work, you can use that to make sure that your internal processes and things are just that much better. So when new clients come along, you're even better to serve them than you were before. Exactly. And that is really what I've been doing a lot of and reassessing myself. Because while I've been very focused on reworking and developing Designer Island, this is also the time I've never really had a chance to, since I started, to refocus and think about who am I as a designer, as a graphic designer, as a branding designer. My writing and website has been the same since I started. Well, not even since I started, before I even became independent so I've really been using this time as well in between the work to refocus and rework who is Tanya Murray do you I know you said there are a lot of creatives that are there in Trinidad do you find there's lots of opportunities for collaboration yes I think there are a lot of opportunities there but I think that Trinidadians I don't know if it's a Trinidadian thing or a Caribbean thing but we're not as open to the idea of collaboration. We don't quite get the beauty of that, the, the strength in that, and how we can gain from that. And I really think it has a lot to do with being on an island, that you think that you need to hold on tight to, your, to what you have in your space and your clients and mm -hmm. your connections and, and not really wanting to share because you're terrified of, if I share and I'm on this little rock, <laughs> then... <laughs> then I will lose all my clients and I will give them away. And I think there's a real fear for a lot of 
Korean people, not just creatives, Korean business people. Um, so, but I think that it is starting to change. I'm, I'm seeing projects that are starting to make people see the value in collaboration and see that, no, it's not actually going to make your connection smaller or your client base small. It's actually going to widen it up and make you a better creative. So mm-hmm. it, we're in a transition. <laughs> so with that, are there any other kind of challenges that you found have come with being a designer in Trinidad? I think, what did I say about island time? We're very much an island time people. <laughs> 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 Things go at a slower pace here. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is a challenge. I have a, a friend who um, does a, a fashion fashion business, fashion, and she always says, she's like, Trinidad is always 10 years behind wherever the U.S. is. She's like, wherever the U.S. is, we're 10 years behind. <laughs> but, um, and I don't know if it's that bad, but we're definitely running at a slower pace of progress, which is frustrating for those of us who want to move faster, you know, and just getting basic things done, I mean, is, is difficult. It really is island time. So like, I, like what sorts of things? Just simple things like opening a bank account for, for small business, um, doing basic things with, with government and it's just a tedious task. You need to ask for all the patience and divine <laughs> calm possible <laughs> because they don't care about what about your grand plans in life. <laughs> so it's just it just really is everything. It, it's it's slow. That that's a struggle. There's been a lot of talking in the last two years about diversifying the economy and creative industries, etc. And it's always been a lot of talk, at least in the last five years, but you're still waiting to see that translate into meaningful assistance. And not even assistance in a way of a handout, but just making the businesses and the systems function in a way where creators can actually access and use. Things like setting up online stores. It's just the banks here, the systems here are so behind that it makes things very, very difficult for creatives who want to start businesses. It's so interesting how governments in different countries, how they either help or hinder this type of entrepreneurial, I guess, kind of structure that is going on. I remember way back when I kind of first started the show, I interviewed a young woman in South Africa her name was uh, Lebohang Di Chwene. She was episode 26. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about her is that she mentioned how helpful the South African government was when it came to not only getting her business started, but having her partner up with a larger company and then sort of work inside that company like a, I don't know, like a co-working space or something where she could use the company's resources and address for her business And in turn, the business would have someone there internally that they could mentor and that they could pass on smaller jobs to. And all of this was kind of like co-sponsored by the government, which I'm like, that would never happen in the U.S. I don't know any any place that would do it. If if it happens here, it would be some sort of a private entity. It wouldn't be something that I think the government would facilitate. Yeah. yeah. I think the biggest problem here would turn out is even where they're our programs or assistance, it's so 
inaccessible. Just getting the information. There's no clear direction of where to go to get information. It's just you feel like you're jumping through hoops and Hansel and Gretel trying to follow some crumbs to something. Mm-hmm. It's just communication and accessibility and the systems just need so much work. Do you think that these are issues that could be solved with design? Yes. <laughs> yes. Design and, and communication. I don't... We really don't think about... The idea of design and Trinidad, for the most part, is still thought of as a pretty fine thing. You know, it's the decoration. And that being said, I'm always concerned with the idea of aesthetics as well, because then that also goes back to pretty fine. But in presenting anything and communicating anything, governments systems here they really just don't think about how things work and that design plays a huge part in that communication. I'm seeing small areas where people are starting to think about it, but we're really behind on thinking about design as more than just a pretty fire and really seeing design as a way to clarify processes, to communicate, to make people's lives better. It's we're just really, really behind on seeing design as what it is, what it truly is. You know, here in the U.S., we just just finished a presidential election. (laughs) And one of the things that the past eight years, I think, has really done here in this country is shown how design can be used for greater good in terms of of, uh, making things clearer for constituents, making sure that services are better, things like that. And I think a lot of that has come from not just the the administration realizing that they need this, but also from designers in the industry kind of reaching up also to offer their services and, and offer the work that they do. Is that type of civic design there in Trinidad? Do you think that there are designers there that are willing to help out with the government to help make it better? Oh, definitely. I missed the conference, but they had our first attempt at a, co- um, a, a design conference in Trinidad. I think it was two years ago called, they referred to it as the Ministry of Design. I can't speak a lot of it because I, I, I wasn't there. It was the weekend before I got married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I, I heard bits about it and I did a little bit of research on it, it was exciting because exactly what you're talking about, there are people who want to do that work. They're designers, architects, graphic designers strategists who live and work in Trinidad and have the ability to help these systems and processes work and communicate and they want to do the work but again the people in power the governments they really just don't see that value of design yeah and I'm not even sure has it been a year now or maybe two years now we well we've recently had a change of government so Basically, it's like starting from scratch every four years <laughs> with, with progress. So with the new government, you kind of have to start that whole conversation all over again and see how far you can get. Yeah, I can see how that would be pretty frustrating. I mean, uh, certainly I think what's happening now here, the tech and design community is sort of wondering with the new president that's coming in, um, how much of the current level of innovation and and clarity that's been around the tech community and the design community working with the government, is that still going to be something that will will happen? We don't really know. I definitely get what you mean there. Hopefully that 
and I mean, I've worked with politicians. I've worked on political campaigns, and I know that there's just a level of deference that they tend to have when it comes to science and tech and design. It's not in their wheelhouse. They'll pass that off to someone else. But I think they do need to have some sort of a tacit understanding about how it can actually make their job easier, how it can benefit the you know the work that they're doing on a greater scale. So it's a challenge that that conversation needs to happen. I know here we have sometimes these government hackathons, like in, in different cities, we'll have government hackathons where local businesses will meet with maybe a city council person or something and invite them in so they can see exactly what it is that they do so they can get an understanding that it's not just, oh, we're making things pretty, but there's actually a method and a science and a process behind it. We're not just, you know, throwing paint on a canvas and standing back and admiring it. You know, there's a lot more that that goes into design. Yes. I guess with everything that you're, you know, kind of working on right now, what's a typical day like for you? Well, lately, because I've been juggling school and work and Design Island, which is work part two, my day is spent a lot at my desk. So I work from home. I have an office space at home. So it's basically getting up in the morning, forcing myself to go jog because I'm not going to say I'm that person that gets excited and goes about exercising in the morning. I'm not. (laughs) It's a practice that I'm trying to make myself do Mm because I want to be healthy and I want to be working and, and living for a very long time. And then I come back, I have breakfast, I get down to work at my desk after emails. If it's a day where I have meetings, I try to not have to go out to meetings more than maybe two to three days a week so that I can spend the other days in a week really focusing and getting down to work. So it's either running off into Port of Spain where is most likely where most of my meetings would take place and sitting down in coffee shops and having those meetings or meeting with clients at their office and then coming back home and knocking it out at my desk in my quiet space and going through the process. So that's basically my typical day. What you're learning in school, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what's, what's the degree that you're working on? Um, well, the degree is creative design entrepreneurship degree. It's a, a new degree at UE. And basically it's very much applying, teaching how to apply design thinking to business. So whether it's an actual design business or just teaching students how to apply design thinking to developing their business. Because what we've had a lot in Trinidad, I think a lot in the Caribbean, is a lot of people, whether they're coming back from finishing school, whether it's in the Caribbean or coming back from going to school in the US or UK and they're coming back to Trinidad and a lot of people are starting their own businesses. They're not going to work for somebody and looking for that job. But because we have so much of this now, the aim of this degree is to help you think about starting businesses and applying creative ideas of how to do that and really considering the environment that you're doing it in because the Caribbean is not like the US or the UK, etc. It's a very different mad space (laughs) which is with a lot of opportunities but a lot of challenges so it's really making you think about your environment 
think about what it is you're trying to do, what is necessary, what's needed, what's missing, you know, and, and how can you fill that gap and how can you think about what are my goals and apply that to business. It's a really interesting holistic type of program, which has made the journey of doing this very interesting, but it's very, also very tight because it's just one, it's one year. And it's oh. one intense year. Yeah, it's one intense year. <laughs> it's a lot based on, well, to get in, it's very much based on your proposal um, that you send in. So it's been an interesting ride. Well, that's interesting that you're doing that along with your business. So it's really, you're able, it's, it sounds like it, you would be able to apply what you're learning directly to your business, like immediately. Exactly. So that is basically what's going on. So my head is in several spaces at the same time, but they're all connected. <laughs> so it's been extremely fulfilling and difficult. <laughs> I can imagine. Wow. That's that type of program. I would love to see more of that. One thing I know when I talk to designers, even for people that I've had on the show, they'll mention, you know, they went to art school, but, or they went to a design school, but it didn't really teach them how to, you know, be a business person, or it didn't teach them what they needed to know when they went out into the working world. And so I think what we're seeing here is this kind of buildup of more digital strategy and creative strategy that ma that matches business practices to the work that you've done in art and design school. So it makes you a more well-rounded designer. But generally, those are done over much longer periods of time than a year. I can only imagine how that's really condensed. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. It's a little more than a year, but um, I think it's like 16 months or something. But yeah, <laughs> it has been quite interesting. But like I said, it's a, a new program. I think this is the third, the third year that it's being offered. And it's done in very small groups and, and classes. It's not a big class yet. They don't accept a lot of students just yet. So kind of like a guinea pig still. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting because what it's done for me a lot is sort of making, making me think a lot about all my work experiences and making me realize how much you learn on the job, just everything you just spoke about and, and how to run a business, how to and strategy, etc., and making me realize that I do have a lot of this knowledge underneath, but it's it's clarifying ideas and thoughts and strategies and really making it work for me. What have you found, I guess, from the program that you've really been able to put right back into your business? Is there any particular things that you've learned? I don't know if I can really pinpoint particular things so much as is that I'm literally in that point of it where I'm distilling a lot of what I've learned and looking back at experiences and lessons that I've learned over time from the people that I've worked with and combining that with what I've learned in a program. And the program has really, for me, been more of a distiller than anything else of my days. I think my personal challenge has always been clarity. I'm fine at creating that sense of clarity and communication for clients. You know, it's, I guess maybe it's, it's something about looking at someone else and, and their business and their work. But for myself and what I'm doing, I think that is a lot more challenging. So that is, I've really been having to face that personal challenge a lot 
in the last year in this program in an extremely intense way. And it's overwhelming, but exciting. And it's just a work in progress. And I'm also realizing that it's not something that ends at the end of this. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be ongoing. <laughs> Even now that I've been doing this for eight years, I'm still learning new things. You know, of course, as I think as the industry changes and matures and with a lot of the tools that are out there, um, clients are starting to get... I think clients are starting to get more informed about the design process um, in a way. I mean, sometimes you still have to teach them about what needs to be done, but I feel like it's getting a little bit easier. Not a lot, just a little bit. (laughs) I feel like it's getting a little bit easier with, uh, with clients because, you know, there are tools like WordPress and there are design tools like Canva and things where they can uh, do quote unquote coding or quote unquote design without really having to get into knowing a really complicated interface or something like that. Yeah. So in a way it helps out because they're a little bit more knowledgeable about the process, but in a way it doesn't help out because a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing (laughs) (laughs) and they think they know it better than you sometimes. So it's, it's a, it can be a weird kind of, kind of trade off. Yeah. I've actually found that those things have made life harder because it makes clients think that, Oh, this is easy. You know, why do I need to hire a designer for this? Yeah. My own website and run my own Facebook page, etc. But I mean, a lot of them are seeing the downsides of trying to do that. So one thing that I've learned, definitely, I keep throwing these out, but the thing that has, has seen me through in business is with clients, the main thing with them is that you want to be able to get them to buy their time back. Yeah, Because even though these tools are available that let them do it, it takes them so much time to learn it. There's, you know, they're fooling around with it. They're getting it wrong. They have to ask this person, ask this other person. And if you can just come in as the expert and convince them of what it is that you can do for them and you'll help them buy their time back, you can spend more time with your kids. You can, you know, take that vacation you always wanted to and we'll handle it. That's the sort of stuff that clients are like, you know what? I'll go with Tanya over X person because they're actually helping me buy my time back. You know, it's not even what I found ironically is that sometimes it's not even so much about the skill. Like you cannot be a, Oh, I want to put it that way, but not to say that skill is not important. It is, but it's more about how quickly you're able to have the client trust you. Yeah. Doesn't really have to be about them knowing you. It honestly doesn't even have to be about them liking you, but if they can trust you, especially when it comes to something that will give them more time back to do the things that they want. You know, that's what keeps clients coming back. That's what makes you have long-term clients. Definitely. I think that trust is, has been the main thing that has attracted clients to me and has allowed me to keep clients. And my design work is completely generated from recommendations, you know? Mm -hmm. So, building a great relationship with the clients that I work with and having them recommend me is so important. So having that trust and building a great relationship is the most important thing. Speaking of relationships, have you had any mentors or anyone that has kind of helped you out through your design journey? I think I've been lucky in the sense that I think a lot of creators, a lot of graphic designers and, and Trinidad, uh, end up working in advertising 
agency and some find it make it makes them very happy and they're content and but a lot of them are very unhappy and very frustrated in that space but I got lucky in finding the branding studio that I work for and working with the people that I got to work with there and not just my bosses the directors but just the photographers and other designers and strategists that I got to work with I think about them all as kind of mentoring me indirectly perhaps throughout working with them but I can definitely say that my I've been really lucky to work with some amazing creative directors and and directors of company that allowed me to express myself and learn the design process and while on one hand throwing me into the deep end at the same time really guiding me and teaching me what design really is and the process of designing and and the importance of researching and understanding a client and understanding their work and what they do and trying to basically I guess dig and dig and find those special golden nuggets for each client each project just really digging into that process I fell in love with the process and my bosses and creative directors and the people that I work with in above group in that time especially were I guess my mentors so I've been really lucky in that sense during those times when you might feel you know like a little creatively stifled or or creatively blocked or whatever what are some things that you do to get that spark back I go and read or watch movies, basically. <laughs> Whenever I used to think of, of creative blocks as, as something wrong with my brain and I, I need to fight through it. But I think that it depends very much on what point in the process I'm having. I think that I'm having a block. If it's the beginning of the process, then I need to keep researching and doodling and sketching and, and digging at it and trying to understand. But sometimes I... I've also found that it's really valuable to stop and walk away and I guess sort of let thoughts marinate or give it a chance to become clearer. So it, I would say that my process is a lot of working, working, working and, and trying to do a lot of work and research at the beginning of the process and digging into the new project and then spending some time away from it, going and reading a book or, or watching a movie and sort of stimulating other creative thoughts in my head that when I come back to a project usually helps me break through that barrier that I was going through. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, work, work and process and breaks and coming back and digging in again and starting to distill and, all the thoughts and ideas and work that I did before. What do, you know, designers that are listening who are not in Trinidad, like designers in the States or, or in other countries, what do they need to know about, like if you could give a definitive statement of what design in Trinidad and the Caribbean was like, what would you say? The design in the Caribbean and Trinidad is filled with potential. There are a lot of different types of creatives doing really amazing work that you may not know about and you might have to do a bit of search to find them but there's so much 
rich and fresh and exciting creative work and design going on in Trinidad and the Caribbean and just people with amazing ideas that you'd be shocked if your only thought about design in the Caribbean are palm tree motifs mm-hmm. and birds and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Well, to view my design and branding work, you can go to studiotanemarie.com and to learn more about Designer Island and a lot of those amazing designers and creatives in the Caribbean that you can discover, you should check out designerisland.com. All right. Sounds good. Well, Tanya Marie, thank you so much for taking time out of your day for for really kind of, you know, giving us, you know, the listening audience and for, for me also, kind of giving us a good look at what design in the Caribbean is, what design in Trinidad is. I mean, we've done well over a hundred and something episodes. I think you're only the, I want to say the second or the third designer that's from the Caribbean. I want to say that. It might be more than that. I know there's you, there's uh, Junan Alkins, who I think yes. was episode 90 seven or 98 or something and then way back episode 25 we had a jamaican designer david yard but it's always good to know what is going on with design in other countries i mean the caribbean is close to us you know just geographically for me speaking here in atlanta we have a really strong caribbean community here when i went to college i mean i i had friends from trinidad and jamaica and saint lucia and barbados like so it's good to know that kind of that spirit of design and what it's like in other countries. And it's also good to know ways that we can, you know, sort of help out. Hopefully, you know, in the future, there will be more opportunities for collaboration between designers, between other countries. And, you know, maybe this interview will be a good start for that. So thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed this conversation. It's been exciting flipping through Revision Path and discovering so many black designers that I, I, I wasn't aware of before. It's been a really wonderful addition to my journey as a designer. So thank you. Thoughts of love are in and that's it for this week. Big thanks to Tanya Marie and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Tanya and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as building tools like origami, sharing what they learned on Medium, and by giving back to the design community. Learn more about Facebook Design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. Their attitude may be playful, but their business is serious. Sign up for a free account today. MailChimp. Send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domains. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code REVISIONPATH at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. 
leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute or two. It really helps the show by bumping us up in those iTunes rankings for Design Podcast. And I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and with the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 a month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.